Well, today we are wrapping up our series called 24, where we've been taking the last couple of weeks to look at what would it look like to spend an entire day with God. And so back in week one, we sort of gave you the, the foundation of what a good day would look like. And then week two, I talked to you about the morning hours, some good habits that you would put into place to get your day started with God in the right way. Last week, I talked to you about the working hours, or for some of you, it's the school hours. What would that look like? Today, of course, we'll wrap up by looking at what would happen in the evening that would really glorify and honor God. Now, before we actually get to that, let me just sort of give you a little bit of what the problem is. Many of you understand that in the morning you're going to be tired, you may be a little bit grumpy, you don't want to get out of bed, and so you know that there's going to be like some things in the morning that aren't quite ideal. And then when you get to work and you're, you're going through your work day, you know that there's going to be some frustrations. There's going to be some people that sort of rub you the wrong way. There's going to be, you know, just in general things that don't always go as smoothly as what was planned. But then when it comes to the evening, you're like, all right, this is my time now. This is family time and everything's going to go smoothly. See, some of you have this picture in your mind that your ideal evening, it's going to go like this. You're going to get off of work at 5. You're going to get home exactly at 5.15 because, once again, traffic has parted for you like the Red Sea. You get home. Your spouse and your kids greet you at the front door. The Labrador Retriever's there to greet you as well. Everybody is so happy that you're now home. Tonight, you're making pasta. So you get out your homemade pasta machine and you start doing that while your spouse is making the homemade bread. Your kids have gone out to your garden to pick the freshly ripened tomatoes because the kids are going to be making some fresh sauce for this pasta meal that you're doing. Everybody sits down at the dinner table together. Everything is great. The conversation is wonderful. Everybody's engaged with one another. Everybody's interested in what everybody has to say about their day. At the end of dinner, like just sort of magically, everything gets cleaned up. And if it did take you a little bit of time to clean the dishes, it was only a minute, a minute and a half or so. And that's all done. The kids go off to do their homework. You and your spouse go out to the garage, to the workshop, to continue the project that you're doing together, which is making a custom dining room set. And what you're doing is you're actually meticulously putting into the back of each chair, you're carving scenes from the life of Jesus into it. Now, as soon as the kids get done with their homework, needing absolutely no help from you, you all gather together in the living room. Now, tonight, what shall you do? Usually it's game night or, you know, sometimes you go out into the garden and you work together as a family. Tonight, you've decided that, you know what, we're going to shoot a home movie on the joys of family life. And so you, you shoot this movie, you quickly edit it, you sit down with your popcorn with the kids, you watch the movie, it is wonderful, you laugh, you cry, surely it's going to win an Oscar. The kids then voluntarily go to bed without you even having to prompt them. And so you light some candles, put on some little mood music, to enjoy a passionate night with your spouse. And this, by the way, is the 13th night in a row that you've made passionate love with your spouse. At the end... At the end, you read your Bibles together and then fall asleep in one another's arms. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that how it works in your house? <laughs> no. But yet we've got this sort of idealized view of what our evening should look like. The reality is you got home at 7.15 because there was a project at work that ran late and you got stuck in traffic and there was all kinds of things. You just microwave the piece of pizza 
you tried to help your kids with their algebra homework, but that was something you last understood in the 80s or 90s. I mean, you were really like, just as clueless as what they are. And then finally, you're just like wore out, you're tired, you plop down in front of the TV, and the only physical affection you get from your spouse is when they reach over and punch you in the arm because you fell asleep in front of the TV and you're snoring and it's interrupting their story. So, uh, again, we understand that the morning is going to have some, some difficulties. We understand that work is going to have some difficulties. But for whatever reason, we think that like, the evening is just going to be as smooth as can be. So we've got this very idealized version in our mind of what the evening should look like. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's your big thought for today. In order to really embrace the evening hours, here's what you need to do. It's there on your outline. Forget the ideal and go for the real. Forget the ideal and go for the real. You know, in the Old Testament of the Bible, that's, that's what people, they, they weren't going for real things. They were always going for fake things. They, they were worshiping rocks and pieces of wood. Now, we call that idol worship, basically. That they, they weren't worshiping the, the one true God, the, the real God. And you and I, we, we don't worship rocks or pieces, at least I hope we don't. But uh, anyway, we, we don't do those types of things. But yet, when it comes to this evening, we've become idol worshipers. Because again, we're, we're sort of worshiping in our mind this ideal evening that everything's just going to go perfect and it's going to be smooth. And then when it doesn't meet our expectations, we get frustrated by it. And we get stressed out by it. And so again, I want to say to you, forget the ideal and go for the real. I want to talk to you about that today, but let's real quick just recap. Just a little bit about what we've been talking about in the first couple of weeks. So we said that in the morning hours, there's four things that you need to do. You need to get up, you need to shout it, then you need to feel it, you need to hide it, and you need to say it. Now, for those of you that weren't with us, basically what we talked about is as soon as you wake up in the morning, as soon as your eyes are, are open, you first of all need to shout it. You need to just acknowledge to God that you are God and I am not. And man, I, I, I worship you for, for who you are. And, and this is your world. And I just get to be a, a part of it. And this is a great way to get your day started because your legs haven't even swung out over the bed yet. And already you started your day out by acknowledging God. And then we said, you've got to do something to sort of feel God's love. Because there's going to be a lot of people out in the world that don't love you very much. And so you need to be reminded every single day that God does love you. And so you need to feel his love. And I talked about, you know, I sing in the shower. And I just sing like some of the songs that we sang here this morning. And, and just sing to God and just feel his love. Or maybe you plug in your iPod and, and you get your headphones and you, you put them in. And, man, you just listen to a little bit of music. Just a couple minutes. It doesn't take long. But just get your day started out by, first of all, acknowledging who God is and then experiencing and feeling his love. Then you take a couple minutes just to hide God's word in your heart. You just read a little bit of God's word every single day. And then you talk to God through prayer. And I said, look, that's like only 10 or 15 minutes. Just get your day started in the morning the right way, and it'll transform the rest of your day then. And then last week we talked about two things. We said, all right, if all four of those things are like parts that make your faith grow, and you're like putting them into a backpack, now that your backpack is full, what do you do with your backpack? And so last week we said that many people leave their backpack at home or they only ever see their backpack at church. But I said, no, you got to put that backpack on. you got to live with it all the time. And so that was the first thing I said last week was you need to live it. 
Don't just talk about your faith. Actually, live out your faith. And then we talked about that you need to express it. That is, that you need to share with other people why you have that backpack on, why your life looks so differently than what their life looks like. And so we talked about the morning. We talked about the afternoon. Now we're going to talk about the evening. i got four more phrases that I want you to grasp here. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, that you need to share it. Here's what you do in the evening. You share it. And that is, I must make time for relationships. Now, here's the deal. How many of you, when you get home from a long day's work, you're like, oh, wow, I'm so energized. Let's do No, you don't do that, do you? Like, oh, man, I'm tired. And what you want is other people to meet your needs because you're stressed out. It's been a long day at the office, man. I, I just want to crash here. But guess what? That's exactly the same thing that your spouse wants and that your kids want and that your friends want because they have long days too. And so what ends up happening is at home, it should be the relationships that like we want to have like be the absolute best. These are the people we want to invest in. But yet we're so tired from the day that we don't invest in them. We just sort of plop down and we're just done. And we're like, man, you guys, you pamper me. But they're going, no, you pamper me. Look what Jesus had to, to say about this, because the, the solution that he comes up with is basically that if you want to get your needs met, meet other people's needs first. Here's how he actually says it. Luke 6.31, we know this is the golden rule. He says, do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Now, that's the golden rule. Unfortunately, we live by some other types of rules. Many of you live by what we might call a reciprocal rule. And that is that, look, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Problem with that is somebody's got to start. Most people don't. Or if somebody stops, then the other one stops as well. It's just this reciprocal type of relationship. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Some people live by what we might call the ricochet rule. And that is, and, and you've experienced this, that what's happening in a relationship has little to do with the two people in the relationship. There's another relationship that sort of ricocheted its way into that relationship. Let me explain it this way. Maybe it's a husband and a wife and they're having an argument. And really, that's not something that's an argument between the two of them. But maybe she's allowing something that her dad did to her in the past to sort of ricochet into her current relationship with her husband. And so it's impacting, you know, from that. Or you've probably heard the story before about the guy who comes home from work and he's just like so frustrated. It was such a horrible day. And so he takes it out on his wife and he yells at her. Well, now she's all emotional. She's upset. And so she gets frustrated with her teenage boy and yells at him. And the teenage boy is like, what in the world did I do? And now he's upset at mom and dad. And so he yells at his five-year-old sister. And the five-year-old sister, she's all upset. And she kicks the family dog. And the family dog bites the head off the Barbie doll. And what we got to realize is it would have saved everybody such a world of trouble if the dad would have just come home and bit the head off the Barbie doll himself. But what did he do? He allowed all the other stuff to ricochet throughout his family. We can't do that one. Here's the third rule. Many people live hidden motive rule. And that is, I'll do something for you, but there's actually a hidden agenda here. It's like the, the woman that buys her husband ballet tickets. Here, honey, for Father's Day, I, I got you ballet tickets. 
Well, she's the one that wanted ballet tickets. Or he says, oh, honey, uh, look at the new boat I bought us. All right. Jesus says, look, 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 you can't do those things. He says, you got to do for others as you would want them to, to do for you. I love how Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase the Bible puts it. He says, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you and then grab the initiative and then do it for them. It's really as easy as that. What, what would you want somebody to do for you? And now you just do it for them. The problem is, James says, we're pretty good at being hearers of God's word, but not doers of God's word. So how do we take this golden rule and actually apply it to our lives? Well, what are some, some practical things that we can do to make that happen? And how do we do it, especially if the person that we're supposed to be serving is somebody that we're upset at, we're mad at? that we don't want to serve them right now. Well, look at Philippians 2.4. The Apostle Paul says this, When you do things, don't let selfishness and pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. You know, we've all been in a relationship before that instead of the golden rule being followed, it's been one of these other three rules. And what Paul's saying here is that, look, that's just pride, that stubbornness when you allow that to happen. Don't worry about yourself. Worry more about others. Care more about other people. And when you'll start to take that attitude, all of a sudden, all of your needs will be met as well. People are like, yeah, but, you know, I met their need last time. It's their turn. Or I, I met their, their need the last seven times. Don't I occasionally get a turn? But what I want you to notice that Jesus uh, talks about here in the golden rule is that there are no turns. He doesn't say anything about it's your turn, it's their turn, it's your turn. Guess whose turn it is all the time? Yours. It's always your turn. And again, if you'll just simply grasp this simple concept that it's always your turn and that you need to look to the interests of others before you look to yourself, and man, it'll revolutionize your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start just this week practicing this thing. How can I look out to this other person's interests more than myself? And again, especially the people in your household. Those are the people you want to be relationally as close to as possible. How can I meet their needs? Now again, sometimes you're upset at them and you don't want to do it. And so here's another tip for you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says this. He says, every time I think of you, I thank my God. And so even if you're upset at a person, figure out something that you're thankful for them. There may be 999 things that you're like, they are terrible, they're rotten, I, I don't like them at all. But block those things out and say, what's the one good thing that I can be thankful for that's in their life? And here's what you'll find. It's very, very hard to stay mad at somebody that you start to see the good qualities in them and that you're actually praying for. So practice that right now. Who is it that right now that relationally you're, you're struggling with? And then there's a lot of things you don't like about their life right now. But what's the one thing you can be thankful for? 
Start to concentrate on that. Start to dwell on that. And allow that to, to start to change your attitude towards them. All right, let's move on. So the first thing in the evening, you need to share it. That is, you've got to take some time for relationships. Number two, here's one that may surprise you. Enjoy it. Enjoy your evening. Take a little time for some entertainment, whether it be TV or movies, music, games, whatever. The, the key part to this is just make sure God's a part of it. Here's a very sobering thought. He already is. Whatever entertainment choices you're making right now, God's already a part of. Here's what Scripture says about it in Proverbs 5.21. It says, the Lord sees everything that you do, and he watches where you go. Now, for some of you, that makes you a little bit uncomfortable because you're starting to realize that some of the things you do for entertainment, some of the things you watch, some of the things that you listen to, some of the places you go, that, oh, God's there, God's watching that, and you're, you're feeling convicted about it. And you should. You shouldn't be doing anything that violates God's word. But here's the other cool part about God always watching you. It means he's always watching you. It means he's always there. It means that he, he cares for you and he's, he's got a plan for you. So it's a good thing that God is always watching. It's just we've got to be careful of the things that we're doing as God is watching. So here, here's the deal. God wants you to enjoy life. God does want you to be entertained. But just make sure you're including him in it. Make sure that it's glorifying him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says it this way. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do it all for the glory of God. If you're taking notes there, circle that word all. That everything you do should be for the glory of God. And I love that, that Paul starts out here in this. That he says, whether you're eating something or whether you're drinking something, do it for the glory of God. So if it's little trivial things like eating and drinking, then when he says do it all for the glory of God, he really means it. Do it all for God's glory. This would include your entertainment. Now, I know that there are some Christians that take it so far and they're like, oh, well, you should just never be entertained. You shouldn't watch movies. You shouldn't watch TV. You know, you shouldn't. Well, that's baloney. Or some people, like, they're like, oh, I don't like exponential because they, they, like, try to entertain you there. Well, I hope you come in every week and are entertained. You know why? Because part of the definition of entertainment is to capture and hold someone's attention. So I don't want you to be like some of the other churches where they don't have your attention and you're just sitting there bored out of your mind. I hope that you're engaged with what's going on. I hope that there's a, a form of entertainment. I call it edutainment. We want to edu educate you as we entertain you as well. We want to capture your attention and let you know that Jesus died for you and that Jesus has a better plan for you. And the reason that he died is so that your sins can be forgiven and so that you can have a brand new life and, and one day spend eternity with him and have an abundant life right here and right now. We want you to know that. And we don't want to bore you telling you that. We, we want you to have some fun with Jesus. Jesus isn't boring. God is the ultimate entertainer. I mean, long before there was color TV, God was painting the sky with all kinds of color. Every fall, we see the, the beauty of God just painting our landscape. Here, here's what Scripture says about that. In, in uh, Psalm 65, 8, it says, The dawn and the sunset shout for joy. You know, God understands drama. 
Again, there's the changing of the seasons, and there's weather patterns, and there's all kinds of... I mean, that's pretty dramatic. God understands all that. God understands humor. I mean, think about when God was creating stuff. Like, all right, there's, you know, dog and the horse and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, birds and fish and... All right, I'm getting a little bit bored with this. Let's be creative. Um, Oh, I got an idea. Let's make an ostrich. I mean, it's going to be this big bird. It's got these long legs. It can't fly. I mean, that's pretty funny when you look at an ostrich, right? Or a camel. He's like, okay, I already did the horse, but let's put a couple humps on the thing. And to make it really funny, let's make it spit. So God understands humor. If you don't believe me, just look at yourself in the mirror sometime. I mean, come on, right? So, so God, he understands all this. He understands entertainment. And so don't feel guilty about allowing entertainment to be a part of your day. Just make sure that it's a part of your life and not all of your life. And make sure that, that God's a part of it. See, entertainment's like food. You, you need food. You, you need to intake, but in moderation. You don't want too much of it. And there's certain foods that you don't want to put all the poisons and stuff into your body. Same way with your entertainment. You need some of it in moderation, but keep in mind, garbage into your mind, garbage is going to come back out. So make wise decisions when it comes to entertainment. Be careful about what you're allowing in. And again, if it violates Scripture, please, please, please do not do it. We talked about this last week. You've got to live your life for an audience of one. That you're on the grand stage called life. And Jesus is there. He's watching everything. And again, a part of your day, he wants to watch you being entertained. He wants to see you laughing. He wants to see you enjoying things. But he doesn't want to see you doing anything sinful. So be very, very careful with that. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything that you do. What you watch, what you listen to, it impacts your heart. Your eyes and your ears, it's the gateway to your heart. And the scripture says that out of the overflow of the heart, then your mouth will speak. And out of all that, you're, you're going to do things. So again, be careful about what you're putting in. Because that's what's then going to come out. A couple of tips for you, and this, this is just getting really, really practical. And a couple of things that have helped me uh, through the years. Uh, letter A there on your outline is, if you're going to sit and watch TV and stuff and be entertained with that, letter A, watch it together. You know, a lot of times, you know, it's mom's in this room watching this TV and dad's over here and the kids are on the iPad watching something else. And that's okay to do that occasionally, but have some family time where everybody comes together to, to watch something that you're all interested in. Or, you know, if you're really in the Dancing with the Stars... Don't just sit there and watch it by yourself. Invite people that like Dancing with the Stars over the house. Enjoy it together as a, as a group. Remember, it's all about relationships with God and a relationship with other people. And so in the midst of being entertained, do it with other people. Letter B, again, we're getting really, really practical here. Skip the commercials. Anymore, we got DVRs and stuff. that It's just so easy just to record everything that you watch and then watch it a little bit later and just skip all the commercials. And what that does is it allows you to be entertained, but now in a shortened amount of time. 
because we talked about this in week one. A lot of you are like, oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. But yet you sit down and you watch hours and hours and hours of TV every day. Well, guess what? If you just take one hour-long show, once you take out all the commercials, it's only 40 minutes. So imagine if you just did that one simple thing that you just said, even just one show per night, I'm going to DVR it, I'm going to skip all the commercials, watch it, and then then that 20 minutes that I saved, I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going to read his word, find out more about who he is. Letter C then on your outline is do something different occasionally. I got to admit, this is probably one that Lisa and I struggle with because it's just so easy at night just to pop down in front of the TV and just start watching TV. But occasionally do something else. Play a game or go to, you know, a museum or something, you know, walk around. There's all kinds of free options. Just alter your, your entertainment choices. All right, let's move on. Number three, then. You need to rest it. That is, I must take some time for sleep. You know, God built into all of us the need for sleep. And so the amount of sleep that you get is one of the most important decisions that you can make every single day because it impacts you in such major ways. Here's one of the things that, that sleep will allow you. Number one, it, it'll help you to lay down your worries. In Psalm verse four, chapter, eight, or, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, I should say, uh, the psalmist says, I go to bed and sleep in peace because, Lord, only you keep me safe. You know, God is greater than all of your worries. He's greater than all of your concerns. And so just that simple thing of, sleeping allows you to turn your mind off and and cast all those cares away for just a little bit. Here's another thing that's a benefit of sleeping, and that is you get to stop working. Psalm 127.2, it says, It's useless to get up early and stay up late in order to earn a living. God takes care of his own even while they sleep. You know, many of you, you work from the time you get up until the time you go to bed. And so, again, making a decision about sleep is so vital. It's like an investment at the bank. When you put money into the bank, you're going to get interest on that. And you're going to get interest in the short term. You're going to get interest for the long term. Sleep is the exact same way. The more you can invest in a good pattern of sleep, the better off you're going to be. Not only short term, but also there's going to be long term benefits. Because when you start cheating this particular investment, it's going to hurt you, you know, physically. It's going to hurt your relationships. It's going to hurt, you know, other things that you're trying to do for God because you're just tired and you're wore out and you're grumpy and, you know, stressed. Listen, you're, you're not the Energizer Bunny. You can't just keep going and going and going and going. So for some of you, the most practical thing that you're going to get out of today's message is go home and take a nap. <laughs> is that the first time in three and a half years that we've gotten applause during a sermon? For a nap. That is... That's pathetic. (laughs) Woo, yeah, God. (laughs) You know, it is okay to talk back to me during the message and say amen and clap your hands and stuff, right? If you like something that you hear. Or be like everybody else, get out your phone and tweet it at least. You know, do do something, you know. (laughs) All right, number four then, recharge it. That is, I must take some time for myself. Now, this one's different than sleeping. Here's the way I liken it. When you have your cell phone on, it's draining the battery anytime you have the screen on. So what are you able to do? You're able to push the little button on the side and see how it turns it off. See that? When it's on, I can push the button and it turns it off. What's it doing? It's putting it into sleep mode. 
it's saving the battery a little bit. And that's what sleep is like. Sleep is like when your phone's on and you push that little button, put it to sleep, save the battery. But there are occasionally times that you've got to go over to the wall, plug that baby in. The battery can't just keep going and going and going and going. You've got to get it recharged. And so, again, there, there's a big difference between sleep, what I was talking about, resting it, and then recharging it. Now, you'll know that you're ready to be recharged when you can't concentrate anymore, when you're stressed out, when you're getting really, really grumpy all the time. You're going to be like, man, I just, I need to just get away. I need to be by myself for a little bit. I need to find something that's going to get me recharged here. Now, many of you feel guilty anytime you do this because you're like, I got so much stuff to do. I got my family that I got things to do with and, and, you know, I got things I want to do for God. And so I don't have time to stop and and get recharged. But it's sort of like this. Imagine a guy, he's out and he's he's got a saw and he's, he's cutting down the tree with the saw. And he just keeps sawing and sawing and sawing and sawing. Occasionally, it's a good idea to stop, sharpen the blade on the saw. But what many of you do is you're like, I can't stop sawing. I've got to get this tree chopped down here. And it's like, no, it'll actually be faster if you took a little bit of time away, get resharpened, and then come back to it. And then you're like, no, 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 I, I can't do that. I mean, I would feel so selfish if I did that. But listen to me for a second. Jesus... God in the flesh, the most unselfish person that ever walked this planet. Here's what we read about him in Luke 5.16. And by the way, here's a guy that knew he only had three and a half years to complete the mission that God had given him. Here's what it says about him. It says, "Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. How often does it say that he did it? Often. Now, again, he only had three and a half years. He knows that he's got to train his disciples to change the world. But yet it says he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why? Because he knew that you just can't keep going and going and going and going. You've got to occasionally take some time for yourself to get recharged, to get re-energized. And what Jesus understood was he was actually going to be more effective when he got back because he took some time away. And some of you, you need to give yourselves permission to just get away for a little bit, to recharge and you need to figure out ways to do that on sort of a more global scale that, you know, maybe you take a whole day away for yourself or, or maybe a weekend that you're away for yourself just to get recharged. But you need to figure out ways to do this every day. What are the, the things that sort of re-energize you and recharge you? For some of you, it's taking a walk. Maybe it's reading or lifting weights, doing crafts, gardening, playing an instrument, writing in a journal. Now, let me caution you. It's probably not going to be watching TV. TV is one of those things that it'll allow you to, you know, as you're there, sort of rest a little bit, but it doesn't recharge you. It doesn't recharge you. So what is it for you? What is it for you? And again, give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to do this. All right. If we don't, 
we lose a couple essential qualities in the day. Look at Psalm 94, 19. It says, Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me. Give me renewed hope and cheer. And so when you don't do this, what happens? You lose your hope. You lose your strength. You lose your joy. Life becomes boring. Life becomes very draining to you. And then in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Friday, I had another birthday. I'm going to stop them here eventually, but I <laughs> had another one. I hit the big 4-1 this year. And so... You know, as I'm getting older and older, I'm reminded more and more on a daily basis how much this body is frail and it's fragile and it's falling apart. And that's what Paul's talking about here. That outwardly our bodies are wasting away, but yet what do we do so much to try to renew our bodies? Well, we spend a lot of things on, you know, makeup and, you know, we gym memberships and, we, you know, we want the outward to, to sort of look good and not fall apart. But yet, that's inevitable. Outwardly, we are wasting away. And Paul says, look, man, inwardly, we, we need to be renewed every day so that we can still be really, really young at heart. And so I may be 41 physically, but I'm like probably, I don't know, 17, like in my mind, right? I mean, we, we were just talking, Mike and I were talking about, Mike and I have a game every uh, Sunday morning as we're setting up that we do. It's the stupidest thing. And we were talking about that this morning. It's like, all right, yeah, we're just still sort of kids, but um, you know, it, it's a thing. Allow God to renew your strength, your hope, your joy. So whatever it is that it takes for you to get renewed, make sure that you do it. So I wrap up. Let me remind you that these past three weeks, we've basically said there's 10 things you need to do to have a really, really great day with God. You need to shout it, feel it, hide it, say it, live it, express it, share it, enjoy it, rest it, recharge it. My question to you this morning is, which one do you struggle with the most? So whatever it is, just start working on it. Don't try to implement all ten all at once. You're, you're probably going to fail at that. So just pick one of them, get it down until it's a habit, then add a second one, get that one down as a habit, add the third one, and just keep doing it till you have all ten of these characteristics, these qualities of a good day with God down in your life. I, I think you can really do this. And then all of a sudden, every single day you're living it, for the glory and honor of God. One final thought. Romans 12, verse 1. Paul says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So here's what I want to say to you. Over the, the course of the coming months and years, you'll probably forget what all ten of those it phrases were. And so if you can't remember all 10 of them, I want you to remember an 11th one. And it's simply this. Give it. Every single day, just give your life to God. Say, here's another day that you've given me 24 hours. Now I'm giving those 24 hours back to you. God, use me in the way that you would want to use me. Give me the words that you would have me to say. Give me the actions that you would want me to do. Show me the places that you would have me to go. God, I'm going to do all these other things, but let me do it all in a way that glorifies and honors you. 
Again, if we would just all simply just give our entire 24-hour day to God, we would revolutionize this church, this city, this nation, and the world. We can do it. It's really, really easy. Just give it. Just give it to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you and to look at your word. And Lord, we thank you for these past four weeks where we've been able to take a look at what it means to live fully for you. 24 hours, a whole day with you, God. Lord, I pray that we've been able to take these practical tips and principles that we've been talking about and start to apply them to our lives. And I pray that we would continue just to add them until we got all 10 of them down in our lives so that when you add it all up, it equals us giving our full life to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that none of us would be content. None of us be content until we are fully living for you, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And so, Lord, in any ways that right now we're falling short and that we're stumbling, help us to be reminded that you love us and you want to forgive us and and that all we have to do is ask for your forgiveness and ask for your help and that you will readily give that through the power of your Holy Spirit. Just help us now to be obedient to your Spirit and whatever the Spirit asks us to do or say or where the Spirit may ask us to go. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.